Hello and welcome back to Going to Extra Time with myself, Regan Walsh, and as ever, Brad Morris. And in this special episode, we are going to be talking about everything that happened in the January transfer window as it slammed shut yesterday. And it was a transfer window that was filled with a lot of talking points. But before we get into them, make sure you give us a star rating and like and subscribe to us on our YouTube page as well. And follow us on Twitter at OffTCPod to keep up to date with all the news and stories. So, Brad, transfer window has ended, and good window in the end. It's pretty decent, but if I'm honest, right now, this point with transfer window is the main takeaway I get every time is, I'm so glad I don't have Fabrizio Romano's job. Yeah. I mean, that man, well, um, for those who obviously didn't know, yesterday on deadline day, uh, he did a 12-hour live stream, and... The man was just working non-stop, like he was barely off his phone, like whether he's getting WhatsApp messages and, or texts or phone calls, and you're like, Jesus Christ, he, that man works hard. Well, uh, yeah, it was a very good transfer window in general, and not just deadline day as well, I think there were some good deals made by clubs across this uh, January window. Yeah, yeah, it was okay, like, at the start, but it felt like it really picked up. The further we went down the line and then got close to deadline day and clubs were being a bit more active. Yeah. Um, I think that's always the way, though. When it comes to any window, the first couple of weeks, like if we go to the summer, it's usually quite dry. And then the further along we go closer to the season starting, uh, like talking summer, then you see clubs starting to do deals a bit more. And with the January window, it's, it's always going to be hard because... Teams don't want to lose their best players, do they? Not all of them. But obviously some are a lot more willing to do the business mm. if they could get the right fee, as we've seen yeah. with some examples in this window. Mm. Um, but yeah, I definitely wasn't disappointed with deadline day either yesterday. Um, definitely some very surprising stuff go on, which we can get onto in a minute or two. But if we go forward to uh, the very start of this window, I think we've got to talk about your Aston Villa side making some decent moves quite early on in the transfer window. If, if you remember, Coutinho came in, what was that, about the first week or two of the window, was it? I can't remember. It was really early on. It feels really early on. And uh, I was prepared to talk about Coutinho stuff later, but hey, I you know I like talking about my dinner, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll carry on. Yet this still feels incredibly mad mm. to say Philip Coutinho is an Aston Villa player. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, if someone told me twelve months ago that I would be seeing Philip Coutinho back in the Premier League and at Aston Villa, I'd be like, "You're having an absolute laugh here," because it just didn't seem realistic at the time and even now it just doesn't but seem you, real you were telling me that mm. you couldn't stop telling me how re unrealistic it was and that you shouldn't get your hopes up oh yeah um, it, 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 it just until it materialised and I saw the official statement from Aston Villa I just didn't believe it and I was like why and then like obviously everyone knows what his wages were like at uh, Barca and obviously it's been reported that he's taken a pay cut to join Aston Villa so that was just one that I thought it's actually a really good deal like how you've managed to get it sorted and 
uh, you've got the option to make it a permanent deal in the summer. So I think if all goes well, and he has started off quite well for years. Well, we can't say a lot after two games, and that's a what half an hour, twenty minute, half an hour appearance against Manchester United, and then a game against Everton where he seemed to be struggling with the physicality that Everton brought to that game. Mm. Still a quality player, and he will offer us a lot because he's exactly what we need. Yeah. Um, but I think he will do quite well going forth. Um, who else was an early deal? I'm trying to think because there's quite a lot of deals that just didn't seem to happen in the first week. Um, Everton, they managed to get a few in quite early on. Um, that Vitaly Mikolenko and Nathan Patterson were Everton's two early deals in this window. We haven't really seen much of Patterson yet, but Mikolenko I think has played one or two games since his move has been completed. As far as I'm aware, he's the only left back at the club. Uh, yes, I think he actually might be. That wouldn't uh, surprise me too much if that is now the case, because obviously uh, Lucas Dean has uh, left them to join your Aston Villa side. Um, Everton's business on a whole, this transfer window was quite strange. Obviously, they ended up sacking Rafa Benitez part of the way through this transfer window. Um, but yeah, a lot of their deals... Uh, obviously before their deadline day stuff we're just like mm, is this going to improve their squad that much considering the position and they were in they needed strengthening but of course beyond the scenes if you're dealing with getting a new manager in mm. that it's going to affect your transfer business you can't just sign players for the sake of yeah. it you need to sign players that are going to fit the manager which they ended up doing mm. we'll speak on that in a bit, but I, I always feel sorry for an Anwar Al Ghazi and all this. Yeah, because like he's moved to them to try and get more playing time, and he probably would have definitely got more of that under Rafa. But now that Frank Lampard's the manager at Everton, I don't know whether he really fits much into that system. I've just realised that Frank Lampard will still be hurting from the fact that Al Ghazi stopped his derby from getting burnt. <laughs> oh, God, he's definitely not playing there. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, um, it's going to be very... I am really interested to see how Everton's uh, other new signings embed into that squad, which we'll talk about later. Um, Newcastle, obviously, this was their first transfer window where they... Uh, had all their funds available to them after the takeover was completed mid-October, I think it was now? It was around then, yeah. This is mad. Mm. Because it wasn't the big 200 million spending spree that everyone was reporting it was going to be, because of course it wasn't going to be. Yeah, and we all knew realistically they weren't going to get in those big players that everyone was expecting, the likes of... I know everyone, Newcastle fan could dream, but like the Mbappe's, the Haaland's, uh, all of these type of players, we knew realistically they would end up signing the players that they did. And because that puts a respect on Chris Wood's name. Yeah. Well, if if you look at the deals that they have done completed, they're I think good core players that Newcastle need to help them get out of this relegation scrap. Yeah. Um... No offence to Kieran Trippier, but Bruno Gibberez 
is without a doubt the first big marquee signing of this new ownership. Oh, 100%. He's one that you can see being a core member of this Newcastle team going forward. And if in the summer they do go on a crazier uh, spending spree than what they did this January, then he will still be a focal point to this team. And the only way now would be like if he's putting in outstanding performances and they're not doing well, Newcastle, that's the only way I can see him leaving. So like a top six team or a top European team coming for him in the future will be the only way he leaves Newcastle in in the future. Or if or if it's like three years down the line they're not top six. Mm. Like they were Villa are pretty much. Yeah. Like mid table you try to show a bit of ambition but just can't get over that hurdle and then he realises well, I've probably got to go to a big club with all success yeah um, but it's definitely going to be um, have a key player with Eddie Howe and it'll be very interesting to see how he adapts to the Premier League um, over the next coming months but then like you said the other transfers they've done early on Kieran Trippier coming in was their first signing of this new uh, era at Newcastle Um a bit of a surprise that they went for like Trippier being like a 31 year old and um, coming obviously back from Spain where he'd won the La Liga title previously with Atletico Madrid um, obviously he'd been linked with Manchester United heavily over the last 12-18 months and a move didn't materialise there so to see him back in the Premier League is good but it, it caught, kind of caught me off guard because it wasn't a deal I was expecting to see happen Maybe not, but I do believe that it is the right kind of signing for them at this moment in time. They need quality that's going to get them away from the relegation. Yeah, quality and that experience of knowing how to put in like a top performance week in, week out in the Premier League. And that's what Trippier did a lot during his time at Tottenham. And then he was just ever so consistent uh, under Diego Simeone at Atletico and... Yeah, it's a sensible signing that makes sense when you look at it now at uh, Newcastle. And we'll have more discussion later because he wasn't even the best fullback that they signed this winter. Mm. Um, right, just having a quick look at other stuff that's happened before we go into a bit more depth of the stuff. Um, big players leaving, nothing really uh, like early on in the window. You could say, okay, that's a bit of a surprise. Um, Arsenal though they seem to loan out a few players um, mainly being Ainsley Maitland-Niles probably being their big player that they have loaned out to AS Roma considering the depth that Arsenal have up front I'm quite surprised to see him go now obviously there was all this stuff in the summer but it's one of them where I feel like they could have still used him in that team yeah, like any team of quality needs depth. Mm. Like you need strong quality in terms of your options in case of injuries. Because if you don't have that, you start calling for postponements. Well, yes. And, I mean, we've seen some of their benches over the recent weeks. They've got a lot of, like, young academy players uh, that isn't really known much to your average Premier League fan and I don't know how many Arsenal fans will know a lot of them so that was uh, one line that they did again Florian Balogun all, all I want to know is which one of these exits is going to have their Danny Rose moment in the All or Nothing documentary um, 
I think it'll be the one that we can discuss later on. There's well, yeah. options. Um, I've said it at this point. Amazon should put all or nothing behind a paywall. They will make millions. People yeah. will pay to I watch mean, this. It's going to be absolute hilarity from the high, oh, the lows of the start of this season. I hope Amazon are like listening, actually, because <laughs> they will do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, losing the first game of the season to Brentford to then going on that bit of a good run in like October, November time to all this drama with Yang and all the behind the scenes stuff postponements with COVID and all that like it's it really is going to be a great watch I mean unfortunately I think we're going to have to wait until the autumn of this year for it to come out I feel like we could get regular podcasts out just discussing each episode <laughs> yeah it's definitely going to be uh, one to watch out for but um, otherwise outgoings in the Premier League um, quite early on in the window nothing too surprising not for me really at least unless there is one that we've missed uh, I'm just having a look at the Premier League sheet now of all the deals done and um, Ferran Torres leaving Manchester City for Barcelona. Yeah, look, that was right at the start. Um, like it was, uh, that's gone. Yeah, I forgot how early that was in the window. Yeah, it's, it was a, a weird one. Clearly he didn't feel that he could, I guess, suit English football or it's maybe that ideology for a Spanish football if a Barcelona's got a good calling. How are you going to turn that down? Yeah, uh, like I just I wanted him to do like not just because like I, I think he's an exceptional talent and we've been able to see it on the national stage for Spain so far, but I think he's such a good talent that it's a shame that we didn't get to see him do it all uh, over here in the Premier League, and hopefully one day he does come back. Although unlikely because obviously we know he's a Barca boy and like like you said Spanish stars. If Barcelona or Real Madrid call, come calling, how many people uh, turned that down? But yeah, um, what was he here two years or so? Yeah, it felt like he was here for one yeah. year. He may well have been. Um, but yeah, it's a shame to see him go. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if he absolutely flourishes at Barcelona, which we can get onto them in a few minutes or two. Um, other than that, no big outgoings early on in this window at all. Um, if I can move us on, because there were a lot of outgoings when it came to deadline day deals. Yeah, I mean, this deadline day was probably a lot of big outgoings rather than you see like big incomings. I mean, let's get the cat out of the bag and start back at Everton. I mean, they've signed Deli Ali on a permanent deal from... Spurs on a two and a half year deal, so his contract runs to the same length as Frank Lampard's does uh, until June 2024. I think that's a really smart uh, bit of business from Everton because obviously they've lost, I think it was Fabian Delphine Abdullah Decore for uh, a long period of time due to injuries, and I think Ali himself needed to get out of Spurs. Yeah, this whole deal's weird if you look at all the different bits of reporting on it no one really knows is it a free are they paying for him like who knows well f- from what i've seen reported uh, from fabrizio romano is they don't pay spurs until he reaches 20 games and then they pay a 10 million euro fee after he reaches the 20 game mark and then 
based on other incentives and I think more appearances then it could potentially rise up to somewhere between 35 and 40 million euros uh, which it, it it's a weird way of a deal being done yeah, especially if they're receiving it in euros what are they going to do in this country with that well obviously Fabrizio Romano reports in euros because he's an Italian journalist so uh, that's about what I think somewhere between seven and nine and a half million pounds initially after playing there the will secretly games. be a lot of people at Spurs hoping that he really does could do good then mm. but yeah it's a, such a good deal uh, for both parties in that sense uh, then they obviously earlier on in the day they managed to loan in Donny van der Beek from Manchester United he's Again, <laughs> smart bit of business from both sides United like you say he wasn't getting played at all under either Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and now uh, Ralf Rangnick and again I think he's going to shine at this Everton team and he will probably be their star player for the rest of the season like he's got so much ability and a, I think if I was going to step in that's a very interesting prediction for you oh, I, I think we will see he's back to his Ajax best who was he I think I've just realised like him and Al Ghazi were teammates at Ajax as well so at least he's going there knowing that he's, there's someone there to, that he knows at least possibly yeah. well I mean they're both Dutch well, let's just face it the it? fact that he's going to be playing football again will just make him happy mm. and I think what benefits United in that deal is there is no uh, way to make the loan permanent so say if the, again this is all just purely speculation but if they were to bring in Eric Ten Hag uh, in the summer Van der Beek knows exactly what Ten Hag will want of him because they work together at Ajax so it's a smart deal Van der Beek gets six months or so of game time and then United can have a quality player come back and get a proper playing time if Eric Ten Hag comes in even if Pochettino comes in I think he'd be used under him yeah like the, the guy's too good but we see mm. it, I feel like it's just a case of needing the game time and just playing more just playing yeah yeah definitely um let's have a look elsewhere um deals that happened on deadline day um obviously this one isn't fully announced yet uh as a time recording by the clubs but um Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang all but left Arsenal obviously barring the official confirmation from both sides I mean that genuinely nearly had a case of Peter Adam Winky vibes too and didn't it we can't lie we were all hoping that it got there oh yeah I was 100% waiting for it just to see like his transfer got cancelled and uh... it's like the wording of everything as well because Arsenal oh, we didn't know he was there it was almost like they were forced to just allow this to happen mm. like Kane well, did mean, so it... easily <laughs> Yeah, it, allegedly he'd gone over because he's got apparently he'd got a house out in Barcelona. Coincidence. Um, yeah, so he'd gone to see his family apparently that uh, live out there. Then there was stuff like saying Arsenal hadn't given him permission, so he was going to be forced uh, on his way back to London. And then it would have been interesting to see what what would have happened with him if a move didn't materialise for the rest of the season. Would he have just been kept in the stands for the remainder of it I could dream of an all or nothing scene of Edu receiving the call that Aubameyang is in Barca honestly that just never get out of it I would dreaming too much now there's no way 
Mm. And then even this whole situation of uh, what the deal is, uh, again, is another quite confusing one. Is it a loan for the remainder of the season, then Barcelona getting for free? But then there seems to be other reports saying that like he's cancelling his contract at Arsenal and joining Barcelona on a free and then even the way his wages are being structured as well is quite strange as well from the reports I've been seeing. The whole report comes in. I know we wanted to be Premier League focused, but how are Barcelona getting all these players? Um, They've well, obviously I mean, they found some... a way to get around what they're under. Probably. Yeah, so what I've gathered with that situation is they've had to sell a few players, obviously, which was always going to happen. But then... Um, the way these players are getting their contracts structured is that the remainder of this season they're going to be like on really low wages um, and then what they haven't earned say this season will be going like we'll see them get it uh, in the next seasons over their contract so say for instance um, Ferran Torres is on 100 grand a week at Barcelona obviously this is all just me saying uh, like fake reports obviously I don't know what his contract is but say he's on 100 grand this season he may be getting like 60 grand and then he will get the next 40 grand over the years and uh, on top of his what all his wages would be so I think that's how they're working it out to economically work within the La Liga cap rules obviously we are not financial experts like when you say like that I just found myself done and just nodding off just slowly, mm. like, oh, stop it. <laughs> yeah, it is quite confusing how they've managed to do But obviously, they have the legal representation that has allowed them to uh, do all this. So it is quite interesting to see uh, yeah, get these deals done. Um, right, can again, we... Well, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'll let you have that last point. Um, what I was going to say was the last two Newcastle incomings both done on deadline day managed to bring in Matt Target from your Aston Villa on loan and uh, they've actually managed to permanently sign Dan Byrne uh, from Brighton despite Brighton saying all window that they weren't going to allow him to leave yeah I'm trying to be nice here because it's Villa Twitter I've said on podcasts in the past is a funny place because mm. we've gone at the start of this window saying we need to replace Matt Target we need to replace Matt Target he's not good enough and then the second Matt Target leaves, I'm like, no, why are you getting rid of Matt Target? Oh, yeah, I mean, the amount of times we spoke about him was it uh, earlier on this season getting exposed on that left-hand side was incredible. Like, I will say this to Newcastle fans, if they're listening to this, he's not a bad player. You're getting a player that oh. attacking-wise is pretty decent. Crossing, very debatable, that I will say. Mm. But when he had Grealish next to him, he was another level. Yeah. We were talking about him for the England squad, almost around mm. this area last season. It just, it's gone off a bit this year. I don't know if injuries yeah. have hampered him. Like, I don't think he had a pre-season. Uh, obviously, you would know more into that than I do because obviously you're uh, follow Villa more in-depthly. But yeah, he hasn't been at his... Uh, usual best as to what he has been in uh, previous years at the Villa but I think it's a deal that could work out for Newcastle for this season and again is that just a straight loan no option to buy is it? As far as I'm aware yeah but I feel like if they were to buy him it would be 20 plus Mm. 
is that without added English and new, added Newcastle tax? Because you I know what's going to happen now. I was going to say, because you know what is going to happen now with Newcastle, they get added an extra five, ten million onto a player's worth because everyone knows they're the richest club in world football. And then with Matt Target being an English uh, That's a question. Do you, think that, do you think that was the case with Dan Byrne then? I think so, yeah. It was like, it, it seemed to me that like he was Eddie Howe's number one prime target and... Uh, it just seemed to be dragged on for a long, long time, and I think I don't know whether the full fee was disclosed, but I think it's around thirteen to fifteen million for Dan Burn in the end. Like, realistically, it's not a bad signing because look at the rest of the Newcastle defence; it's crap. It's yeah, and crap. he's a uh, northeast lad himself, so it's his boyhood club, so he knows everything about the team and what it means to fight for the passionate uh, Magpie fans. That's, so they've sold three pretty decent defenders on their day. That defence already looks a lot different. They've signed a very good mm. midfielder that will add a new dimension and they've got a whole new front line. Yeah. There's going to be... Uh, yeah, but can they get them all to gel together and playing well is the main question for Eddie Howe and co going forward. Well, that is the case and... Because we're close to the end, I would like a review from you on certain teams that I'm just going to name and I want your opinion on whether mm-hmm. you think they've had a good or bad winter. So I'm going to start with Newcastle. Um, Yeah, I'm going to say they've had a good window, uh, got players in positions they needed to. Uh, it's an improvement of the team and yeah, I think overall... Newcastle fans can be happy with that transfer window. So, yeah, I think they had a good, solid window. I'd give them, if it was to give them a score mark out of 10, I'd say a strong 7 or 8 out of 10. I think that was a really good window for Newcastle. Next team I name to is Arsenal. Um, outgoings, I think they got rid of players they needed to get rid of. Um, and I've got no problems with many of their outgoings. I think... Balligan and Maitland-Niles would probably be my only two. Um, they've obviously got some deals going to happen in the summer with Austin Trusty from the Colorado Rapids, although he's not, well, from the statement that I've read, he's not actually going to be playing for them next season because apparently they plan to loan him out. And then uh, bringing in Matt Turner from the New England Revolution is because Bernd Leno seems to be on his way out. Um I think five or a six because Arsenal fans they seem to know that they needed some players to help Arteta push for that top four uh, more controllably so they didn't really address what they needed to yeah so I'll stick to your support club and that is Manchester United could they have done some business no let's be clear here did United need to do transfers? Yes. However, we all, or I would strongly say Ralph Rangnick is not going to be the manager in the summer. So it's pointless bringing in a player who may not be used by the new manager come the summer. And obviously, if you don't know your manager, it's pointless trying to do any deal. So I think I went into this window knowing that United weren't going to do any business. Right, and... Um... Speaking of 
clubs. And let, let me just finish on with Carry. United in terms of uh, outgoings. Again, I think all the players that they've let go out on loan, so Donny van der Beek, Ahmed Diallo, uh, Anthony Martial, I think they're all good deals for them players to get them more playing time and obviously United have the chance to bring them back in the future. So I think United had a strong window in that sense, so I'd give them around a 7 or 8 out of 10. Right, and moving to another club that probably could have done more business, so that's Leeds. Yeah, um, I mean, only bought in one player uh, from Espanyol, so I think they needed to do more business because they haven't been their usual selves this season. Um, so I think it's very disappointing for Leeds fans, but I think their main key and target this summer, uh, window sorry, was keeping hold of uh, Rafinha because there was lots of reports throughout the whole window that teams were going to make a move for him but they managed to keep hold of him so can't complain too much there. Yeah, nice. Uh, going slowly over but I actually want your thoughts on three specific deals in particular and um, we did speak about this on another podcast but I want your final thoughts with Luis Diaz signing for Liverpool. Yeah, I think that's a really good signing. Um, he looks like a really good player and I think he will be uh, a great signing for Jurgen Klopp's side. Can I also get your opinion on one of the deals that actually went really under the radar because actually could be the most underrated one on the wall and that's Walt Weghorst going to Burnley? Uh, yeah, I think it's what Burnley needed, obviously losing Chris Wood to uh, Newcastle so they needed a striker and they get a typical Sean Dutch type player like big strong tall player it's exactly what Burnley usually go for and I think it's a good signing for them it's like a very good one like he's mm. got a goal in him yeah um, I want to ask you to pick your signing of this window Jesus Christ uh I don't know why. I feel like in time, Luis Diaz potentially could be pretty something for Liverpool. Mm. So I think even for right now and also long-term aspects, I would say that. For me, I, I'm going to have to give it to the opposite side of Manchester and give it to Julian Alvarez because he looks like an absolute steal at, what, 10 to 17 million? Yeah, do you know what? Like, we can also share the pain of having both our clubs linked to him and then not sign him yeah I mean young 22 year old forward absolutely lighting it up at the minute I mean he's just I I don't want to say it too much and put the pressure on him but I feel like he could have a Sergio Aguero type effect like He's the striker that City are kind of crying out for and he would get the goals that uh, would fire them that further over the line. Obviously, they've got a gap in between themselves and the other teams in terms of fighting for the Premier League title. But yeah, I think he is such a good signing for them. But potentially, maybe. Oh well, yeah. I want to add this last one. I feel like it's only right we end this with a nice one because it's so good to see Christian Eriksen is potentially playing again yeah um, obviously it was announced on deadline day that he signed a six month contract with Brentford um, just excellent to see him being able to play football again um, obviously after what happened to them last summer 
and to, not to them, to him last summer. Uh, and obviously, it's a shame that he was unable to continue his career at Inter uh, because of uh, laws in Italy football that he can't play with and things like an. It's not really a pacemaker, but uh, something to help his heart go. So, yeah, it's just a great story to see him back uh, playing football and let's see how well he can do helping uh, the bees out for the remainder of this season. Yeah, I hope it goes very well for him. That is all we've got is the extra time of extra time. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Overall, great transfer window and I'm already looking forward to the summer because... The free agents coming up as it stands. I think this might top uh, last summer's window. I'm so glad I don't do the social media. (laughs) I mean, I'm hoping that uh, they don't all go down to deadline day because Jesus Christ. I think we could say it's very unlikely that will happen. Yeah, I think we'll have a lot of deals announced quite early on. But yeah, it's going to be a great window and... uh, Overall, January was a great window as well. So make sure you like and subscribe, like I said at the start, wherever you are listening to us from. And uh, make sure you are following us on Twitter as well, at OffTCPod, for all the latest news and stories from around the world of football. And until later on this week, where we will return with our usual preview show looking ahead to the FA Cup weekend here in England. Uh, Until then, it's goodbye from Brad. See ya. And goodbye from me. We'll see you soon.